I am John Kane, and this is Resistance Radio. Look, I've got to do a big shout out to uh, the listening audience in New York City on WBAI and in Washington, D.C. on WPFW. We are at that time of the year where um, we do come to you in a full blown um, pledge drive. And we are in the middle of a pledge drive for WPFW in D.C., and we are just about ready to launch a, um, a pledge drive in New York City on WBAI. So I want to do this show, uh, again, a little bit of a preview of the uh, uh, pledge drive for New York and uh, to add my voice to, to the ask, the big ask that we have of you, the listening audience, to donate, sponsor, support, carry these radio stations. And look, without you, these stations don't exist. Without you, these stations do not air. And without you specifically donating um, in the name of my show, uh, my show doesn't exist on these radio stations. And look, we kind of have to give them a reason to keep me on the air. And, and that's probably true with, with almost any show. Um, but you know, I'm hoping that if you listen to this program and you learn something from this program, even if it's sometimes challenging to what you've already been taught or what you think you know, um, I hope that you get something out of this show and as a result of it, of, of that, you, you feel at least some sense of obligation to support the radio station that, uh, that carries me. And um, look, there's only two. There's only WBAI in New York and WPFW in D.C. Um, there is some talk of some other Pacifica stations picking, picking up the show, um, but, but these are the two that I have right now. Been on WBAI for a number of years and uh, kind of a, more of a recent addition to WPFW, but both stations have had a long-term commitment to giving airtime to Native Voices. Well, be, before, I, be, before I was on either one of these stations, they were doing such, and... Uh, and, and I appreciate that because there's no way to, um, to cover these issues without a native voice being behind them. And we've seen, you know, what happens when, when schools attempt to teach native history without any native, native involvement. It, it gets marginalized. It gets uh, taught as a period of history that came to an end once, uh, you know, once discovery and, and colonization began. And, of course, that's not that's not true. I mean, we're still here. Uh, we've, we've persevered through, you know, incredible adversities. And, you know, while I oftentimes talk about those issues on this program, today I wanted to kind of shift gears a little bit. You know, it, 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 maybe it's time to, you know, talk about the good things associated with, not just with being Native, but living on native territory. And so t today I'd like to highlight a little bit more of um, where I live 
and what it's like living here. But, but again, we are in a pledge drive um, for WPFW and just getting one started here for WBAI. So let me do that big ask. I, I'm asking that you donate to these radio stations. If you're listening in New York, you can go to the pledge line, which is 212-209-2950. Again, that's 212-209-2950. Or you can go to give2wbai.org. If you're listening in, in Washington, D.C. on Jazz and Justice Radio, WPFW, you can go to their pledge line, which is 202-588-9739. That's 202-588-9739. Or go online to wpfwdc.org slash donate. And, you know, and this goes for both stations. You can make a one-time donation. You can make a time donation. Uh, if you've got money coming at the end of the month and you want to set that up now, you could do so. Um, you know, the biggest thing is making the pledge. You make the pledge and then you fulfill that pledge with your, with your, your donation. So if you, um, you want to do that, you can call those pledge lines and do that right now. If you want to become a sustainable member or a sustaining member of these stations, uh, WBI calls it the BAI Buddy Program. If you want to become a sustaining member of this, these stations, you simply call those pledge lines, 212-209-2950 for New York or 202-588-9739 for um, WPFW. And, and you can sign up with your credit card, your your debit card with your, your checking account information and just make a monthly uh, donation. It, you can treat it almost like a, like your streaming fees, I guess, for Netflix or, or whatever your whatever you watch, use for watching uh, movies on at home. You can do the same thing. Um, the difference is you get to set the price. It could be $5 a month. It could be $10 a month. You know, if, if it's something, if, if you are, among those that that listen to these stations throughout the day, having you know sometimes maybe playing a little bit in the background. Certainly, if you're listening to some of the music programs on the uh, on the these stations, you can you can enjoy that. Um, if you listen to the talk shows like this one, um, you can you can hear those conversations and perhaps a subject catches your ear and uh, and then your attention. Uh, so perhaps you listen to these stations throughout the day. And, and you want to make more of a contribution than, than, than a $10 a month. And maybe you're already making a contribution. Maybe you're doing um, 5 or $10 a month. Well, if you can increase that another $5 a month, we'd greatly appreciate it. And, of course, I personally greatly appreciate it because, again, I'm being allowed airtime on these stations. You know, this is, you know, we, Native people, we talk about um, land back. You know, we oftentimes talk about... Um, you know, some of the concerns we have with, uh, with, with land acknowledgments, which is about acknowledging that we used to live in a place. And, you know, our, what we always come back to is rather than just acknowledging that we used to be here, why don't you let us be here? Why don't you carve out space? And sometimes that space isn't just real estate. Sometimes that space is airtime. You don't see a whole lot of Native people um, on television, and you sure don't hear a whole lot of Native people on radio. And you've probably never heard anybody like me on the radio. And, and it's, it's because WBAI and WPFW have that commitment to giving me this airtime to allow me to speak some uncomfortable truths and, and offer a perspective that, frankly, not every Native person holds. 
you know, we have gone through 500 years of genocide, and that genocide has included everything from, from killing our people to removing our people from the land to, to assimilation. And yeah, assimilation is genocide. Because if you do anything that creates the conditions that will cause the people to cease to exist, that's genocide. And that's what assimilation is. That's what residential schools, beyond the torture and everything else that was involved in those Indian boarding schools run by churches, funded by the governments, was the effort to kill the Indian within us. Kill the Indian, save the man. So assimilation is very much a part of the definition of genocide. And yet we're still here. And we're still here oftentimes on distinct parcels of land. You know, they've been called reservations. They've been called territories. Um, they've been called nations. Um, I live on the Cattaraugus territory of the Seneca Nation, and I'm going to talk about that. I'm gonna, I want to talk about the place that I've called home for, you know, uh, actually a couple of decades now. So I, I want to I, I want to talk about that, and you know, so that's a different a different show than I normally do. But I, I wanted to take this time, especially during this pledge drive, this fund drive um, time period, not to just fill my program with with some of the adversities that we face, but uh, talk about some of the pleasantries of being native and, and living on a native territory. But again, I had this opportunity because WPFW and WBAI give me airtime. And it's not theirs to give without your support. I mean, because, you know, I hate to say it, but almost, almost nothing that we look at as these commercial enterprises, and even not-for-profit radio stations are commercial enterprises, they don't exist without, without funding. So I call on you, the listener, and w look, whether you agree with everything that I say or some of what I say or whether you disagree with it. You know, this, this, these are conversations that need to be had and these stations give me that opportunity. So I'm hoping that you'll, you'll step up and you, you know, if you haven't, I hope that you will become a first time donor. If you have been a donor and maybe, maybe times have been tough and you're kind of, uh, you know, you had to, you know, lay back on donations and that kind of stuff. And, and maybe you're finally getting back to a place where you can. But then that's what we hope. We hope that if you can, and, and we're not asking you to do anything more than you possibly can. We're asking you to donate what you can, when you can. So again, if you're listening in New York on WBAI, the pledge line is 212-209-2950. The website is give2wbai.org. If you're listening in Washington to Jazz and Justice Radio, WPFW, I ask that you go to their pledge line, which is 202-588-9739, or go online to wpfwdc.org slash donate. Look, if you go online, uh, you'll, you'll see how easy it is. And if you, and if you call the, the pledge lines, the operators will will help you, you know, determine what is what donation size, you know, what you want to donate, and when you want to donate. So um, it's a very easy process. It, it shouldn't hold you up for very much time. And uh, and frankly, if you if you got to walk away from this program to do it, um, I'm okay with that. <laughs> but I just hope that you do it. All right, let me uh, let me talk a little bit 
about where I live. You know, because I, I, I tell people all the time I live on the Cattaraugus territory of the Seneca Nation. And the Seneca Nation essentially has two major territories, the, the Cattaraugus territory, which runs along what is called the Cattaraugus Creek from, uh, um, uh, from Lake Erie uh, to a small village called Gowanda. And uh, so it runs, you know, they used to say roughly, you know, one mile on either side of the, uh, the, the river. And, and it, it varies. It gets wider in places and narrower in places. Um, but that's where I live, on the Cattaraugus Territory of the Seneca Nation. And it's funny, you know, if you're wondering, what, what does Cataragas mean? Well, Cataragas or Galaragas, what it means, it refers to two things. And, you know, sometimes I've heard people say, well, it means a stinky place. Well, it, it doesn't really mean that. What, what it refers to is the way the land is situated with, with clay and shale, there's uh, natural gas beneath, uh, beneath much of this area. Um, and in fact, it's been drilled and it's, you know, there's, there's gas wells through, throughout many of these areas including some on the Seneca Nation that was drilled beyond the controls of the Seneca Nation back in the 60s and that kind of stuff. Um, but so you can smell the natural gas. And, and so that's what's associated with, with the name uh, Cataragas. Um, now, there's another Seneca territory called Allegheny or oftentimes called Ohio. And Ohio really means uh, a good river. Um, and it's because that territory runs along the Allegheny River. Um, one of the ironies to the story about um, Allegheny was uh, essentially when John Kennedy was running for president, there was, uh, there was talk of building a dam that would stop some of the flooding issues for Pittsburgh. Uh, and that dam would be built. It's called the Kinzua Dam, and it would dam up the Allegheny River. But it required condemning to a floodplain like 10,000 acres of, of Seneca land. And it is, it's, it's been a major point of contention for many years, uh, still remains one in, in many regards. Um, but that's a little bit of the history of, uh, of Allegheny. Um, you know, Allegheny is also a unique place because there's, there's a, a city, essentially, on the Allegheny territory, and it's called uh, Salamanca, the city of Salamanca. I mean, it's a small city. <laughs> um, and it's a city that struggles. And part of the reason it struggles is because back in the 90s, they, um, they worked out a settlement because the land was leased from the Seneca Nation. Now, the city and others tried to suggest, well, that lease was like a sale. Well, a lease isn't like a sale. A lease is a lease. And, um, and it was a strange lease in, in, the, in that it was a 99-year lease, which is almost unheard of to do a 99-year lease. And, and frankly... Some native lands were leased up to 999 years, which is essentially illegal, but, uh, but that's what was done. Um, but in 1990, they settled that Lease Settlement Act, and uh, so the people in Salamanca, uh, the non-native people, essentially had to pay a lease to the Seneca Nation. So the entire city is essentially leased on leased land uh, where they pay the Seneca Nation for that land. Um, and, and, and that was you know, quite a point of contention for, for many years. I think a lot of that has been resolved, although it does leave the city of Salamanca sometimes, you know, uh, fairly impoverished. Because the other side of that coin is if a Seneca owns property within the city, they don't have to pay the municipal taxes to the city of Salamanca because they're on Seneca lands. Uh, so sometimes that, that tax base gets decreased by Seneca's 
um, acquiring more and more of the essentially the leasehold improvements. And the Seneca Nation owns all of the land, um, but uh, or or it's it's all Seneca Nation land. But some of individuals can can uh, take those parcels within the land within the the city. And and frankly, the there are private property. Individual Senecas own the property in both Cattaraugus and uh, and Allegheny. But again, where I live, I live on the Cattaraugus Territory of Seneca Nation. It is a beautiful place. The, the Cattaraugus Creek runs through the territory, um, sometimes creating, you know, uh, rather large uh, cliffs on one side of the, uh, on one side of the river. Um, I live on an area, and you have to pardon the name, I live in an area that's called Indian Hill, and so it overlooks the Cattaraugus Creek um, and a good part of the, the, the Seneca Territory. Um, the creek runs all the way to, to Lake Erie, and uh, so the Seneca Nation does have beachfront. Uh, some of it uh, is, is privately held uh, by Senecas. They're, they also lease, some of those Senecas who own that property lease some of that property out for summer camps, and so it's non-natives that uh, are predominantly renting those, those cottages, but th they, don't, they don't own them. Um, I'm not Seneca, so I don't own the land that I sit that that I reside on. Um, I live on um, uh, a parcel of land that was provided to me by my good friend Sugar Montour, who passed away. But now that land sits in uh, under the name of his estate. So, uh, so I live um, I, I live on that parcel of land. Um, the Seneca Nation provides services to uh, to every household, including running water. Um, garbage pickup and that kind of stuff. But we don't have taxes here. When you enter the territory, you know you've entered the territory. It's distinct. You know, for one, there's signs, but uh, also the, the, um, the road signs are both in English and in Seneca. Um, you know you're on the native territory. It, uh, it, it looks different. The roads are maintained about as well as the roads off our territory. And of course, the roads that run through our territory were not put there for us. They were put there to for access to um, for the non-native commerce that exists in Western New York. Now, the Seneca Nation is um, about the second largest employer in Western New York. Um, probably only second behind. I'm, I'm not sure if it's universities or or, or what um, or what, but it's but it's it's a, a very large employer. The Seneca Nation has three uh, casinos. Uh, one on the Allegheny Territory, one in Niagara Falls, and one in Buffalo. Now, they acquired those lands in Niagara Falls and Buffalo, and they own those lands. Those lands are, are a part of the Seneca Nation Territory. Um, they are not held in trust by the federal government or by the state government. They, the title has been reverted back to the Seneca Nation for those lands, and that's how they can operate these gaming enterprises there. Um, and these are large um, facilities that employ many, many people. And of course, the Seneca Nation, uh, uh, as a government, uh, employs a number of people. And of course, the private sector. We do have a private sector um, uh, trade on territories. Uh, most of it is our gas stations or smoke shops. And of course, the, the newest addition has been um, uh, a bunch, <laughs> and I, I mean, you know, probably a hundred or so. Uh, cannabis shops that that exist on Seneca territory. So there, 
there isn't a lot of shopping opportunities on territory. I mean, most of what we buy, we buy off territory in terms of groceries and cars and appliances and that kind of thing. But we can get convenience items at the uh, gas station um, slash smoke shops slash convenience stores. Um, and, of course, any cannabis needs, uh, everything from edibles to, um, you know, to buds and, and whatever. In fact, some of these guys call themselves bud tenders uh, uh, that operate these, these shops. Um, so most of the money that comes into our territories goes right back out because most of our consumer goods are purchased off territory. Now, the, the myth is that we pay no taxes. And, and it's true, we are not liable for taxes for products that we purchase or that are delivered onto our territories. Uh, we get into a bit of a debate when we when we do buy goods off territory as to whether um, a retailer can sell us goods without delivering it to our territories, um, which is another point of contention. Uh, but we don't pay New York State income tax. Um, the, we have a debate with the federal government about whether uh, federal income tax should be pay, should be paid. Although there are certain industries, um, there are certain businesses like any businesses involved with leases, a lease income are, is not taxable by the federal government. But, you know, I moved here because it was a pleasant place to live. And, you know, I had worked out here with, with, with several people, um, got to know uh, some, some of the families here, uh, and chose to bring my wife and, and my children. My wife is Oneida and my children are Oneida. And this is where I chose to raise my kids. Now, I will say that the Seneca Nation does not have its own school. Where I live on the Cattaraugus Territory, uh, there are three school districts that, for the most part, service the kids here on territory. One is Gowanda, which is at the end of the, the territory that I live on and where my kids graduated from high school. And then there's another school called Silver Creek High School or Central School and then Lakeshore Central School. So we have three school districts, you know, kind of in, in triangular shape around our territory. Um, and that's where our kids go to school. In none of those schools are, uh, would I say our kids are the majority. Our kids are, uh, you know, minority in every, in every one of those school districts. And in Allegheny, where the city of Salamanca operates its school district, uh, the Senecas are a minority there too. They represent a larger percentage of the population, some say as high as 38%. Um, and I don't mean just Senecas, I mean Native people or those claiming to be Native. Uh, maybe as high as you know, 30 or 38 percent in Salamanca. It's significantly lower than that in uh, in the three schools that service uh, the Cattaraugus territory. Now, Seneca Nation has an interesting government. Um, it is not a traditional government. Uh, at some point, they uh, in the 1800s they adopted a uh, a written constitution type government, um, and they elect 16 councilors, eight from each territory, uh, and they elect a president, a treasurer, and a clerk. And, then, and there's other um, uh, officials that, that are elected, but, but these are the governmental officials, essentially. Uh, 16 counselors, a president, a treasurer, um, and the clerk. And the, again, the, the president, treasurer, and clerk are, the, are considered the executive branch. The, um, uh, the counselors are the uh, legislative branch. And they also serve as what they call the supreme appellate. Um, and then they do have a court system as well, and some of those judges are elected as well. Um, 
it is it is pretty much an assimilated type of governing system, and uh, it is you know prior to gaming, it was not what I would call an an overbearing government. Um, it has probably become a little bit more so with uh, with the advent of gaming and the increase in revenue that the Seneca Nation has uh, you know has generated. They they do provide a lot of services, and they also provide um, a what I think is considered I don't know if it's monthly or quarter I think it's monthly um, um, proceeds from gaming. But let me explain that it, because it's not actual gaming revenue. It is um, it is considered lease revenue. It is the Seneca Nation leasing the the property for these gaming facilities to the gaming corporation. So what gets distributed amongst the Senecas is um, is that lease um, those lease payments that get paid to the Seneca Nation uh, that makes it non taxable um, and and non it doesn't need to be reported and that kind of stuff. Uh, we could debate whether any of that stuff should apply or not, but I'm just saying this is you know how the Seneca Nation avoids the confrontation, I guess, uh, with the federal government over annuity payments or uh, payments to individual Senecas. So, um, again, second largest employer. I got to tell you that, that my um, uh, wife worked for the Seneca Nation, worked for the education department. Um, a, uh, my, my son worked for the Seneca Nation, uh, part of um, their, their, he was actually a marshal and then a Seneca marshal, which is kind of like a peacekeeper. And, uh, then he worked uh, for the Seneca Gaming Corporation, uh, or for the Seneca Nation as a, um, an investigator for uh, their gaming. Um, my daughter was a was a dealer at one of the casinos, and I think even my other daughter worked for a short period of time at uh, one of the Seneca Nation's bingo halls. Like I said, they have three uh, casino facilities. They also have um, two what you call Class Two gaming facilities. Um, actually, maybe they, I guess they have three where it's either bingo or what they call class two um, electronic gaming machines, which are kind of like slot machines, but they're, but they're, they're banked differently. So um, that's how the majority of the Seneca Nation revenue is generated. They do own a couple of stores, um, and they do have some other businesses and investments, but primarily they are funded uh, through their gaming operations, and, and, and it is their gaming operations that are the largest employer um, of, you know, and, and again, they are a significant employer in Western New York, but I, I have to say that doesn't mean that every employee is, is native. In fact, uh, the gaming employees at one time, it was as much as 90% of the, the employees were non-native. Uh, I don't know what that percentage is now, but it's, but it's still significant, significantly skewed towards the non-native, uh, workforce. Now, uh, I, I think pretty much if a Seneca wants a job, they get a job. But um, but I there aren't enough Senecas uh, within the um, the employment pool to you know, to frankly uh, you know do all of the uh, the jobs required of not only the nation jobs the stuff that's uh, associated with with governing and that kind of stuff and, and utilities and facilities but um, but the gaming operation and again the private sector is also a significant employer as well. And I think if you add the jobs that are created by private sector to the nation jobs, um, including gaming jobs, uh, it, it is a really, really significant employer in, in Western New York. Um, 
I mentioned uh, that my wife had worked for education. There is an education department, and the Seneca Nation does operate a, um, a, a pre-K um, uh, or uh, early learning uh, ECLC, early child learning uh, center, I guess, ECLC. And that's a major part of um, their education department. And of course, they also provide services to, to our kids that are um, attending the, the, the off-territory uh, schools. Um, it, it is a very pleasant place to live. Uh, I find um, most, most of the Senecas <laughs> to be pretty welcoming to a non-Seneca like myself and my family living here. Um, I have contributed to the community in, in, in many ways. I've you know, helped coach Little League football and, uh, and, and a few, you know, a few things like that. Um, obviously, I am a spokesperson, not for the nation, but as a native voice, much of what I talk about does impact what the Senecas um, are going through in terms of some of our, you know, conflicts with the state over gaming and other things. Um, so I'm, a, I'm an advocate, and, and I think most Senecas appreciate the voice that I offer, even if they don't completely agree with the, with the position that I take on some of these, some of these issues. Um, but they, I, you know, I am pretty well known in the community, and, uh, and you know, I'm not saying that some people don't. don't um, perhaps they, they resent a little bit that, uh, that, that I am probably a more dominant voice on Seneca issues than, than some of the Senecas are. And, and of course, that's not me holding anybody back. Um, but I encourage Senecas to speak out. And in fact, I, I welcome them to speak out and I would help in any way that I could to, to get those Seneca voices out, out there. I mean, I, an example of such is, you know, I, I, um, I did not agree with the Seneca Nation giving permission for the city of Salamanca School District to maintain a native mascot for their school. Um, and, and, and I voiced my concerns, but I, but I will say that my, my voice wasn't um, that well accepted, especially by some of the Senecas who attended s the city of Salamanca School District and who wanted to keep it. But when a Seneca voice and one of the more prominent lacrosse players uh, from this, this area who actually played professionally and uh, played at the Division I college level, uh, a gentleman by the name of Frankie Brown, he weighed in on the subject and... And his voice carried far better than mine did, you know, and, and we could argue whether he, he just worded his comments better than I did. But I think for the most part, his popularity within the Seneca Nation, uh, being, you know, a revered athlete uh, helped. But I also think he made a, a strong point uh, in, in condemning the use of a, of a native mascot, even by the city of Salamanca, a, a school that's on Seneca territory and that caters to a significant, not majority, but a significant population of, of native kids and, and Seneca kids. But um, so, I mean, um, like I said, I, I am a voice that, that does try to address issues that impact all native people, including Senecas. Um, but I do think that we, we certainly do need more Seneca voices weighing in on, on specifically Seneca issues. So I'll, I'll, just, I'll just leave that at that. All right, hey, we're, uh, we're, we're kind of at, at the bottom of the hour, so let me remind people that we are in the middle of a pledge drive, a fund drive for WPFW in Washington, D.C., and we're about to kick off a, a pledge drive or fund drive for WBAI. So I want to remind people that we are listener-supported radio, and we require 
your contributions. I mean, it isn't your your contributions are not a luxury to us. They aren't something that helps. They they sustain us. We are almost completely listener supported radio. So without your contributions, the stations don't exist. Now, look, I've heard public radio, um, the NPR stations, say the same thing. You know, where where fifty percent of their revenue comes from uh, from listener donations, and they say without those, the, the station wouldn't exist. Well, I don't know if, whether they would, you know, close up tent if they if their listener donations dropped off. I mean, obviously, it would impact them. But there's no question when we're talking about community radio stations like WBAI and WPFW that rely entirely on your contributions. It makes those contributions that much more important. I mean, there is no other source of revenue that comes to these stations other than you. So we ask that you go to the pledge line. So if you're listening in New York, again, the pledge line is 212-209-2950. Hey, when you call in, let them know that you're calling in and you're making a contribution in the name of Resistance Radio with John Kane. Let, let them know. Let them know that this is one of the stations. And it doesn't have to be the only station that you, that you attribute your donation to. But, but if you call and you mention my, my show, it does send a signal. It, it basically tells them why they should keep me on the air. Uh, you can also go beyond the, the pledge line, 212-209-2950 for WBAI. You can go to their website, which is give2wbai.org, and you can follow the prompts to make a donation there. If you're listening in Washington, D.C., their, their pledge line is 202-588-9739. That's 202-588-9739, or you can go online to wpfwdc.org slash donate. And again, I'm a, rel- a relatively newcomer to WPFW. Uh, I appreciate having been you know, put on the, bro- the broadcast grid. I know that WPFW has had a long history of providing um, space for Native voices, and, I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm proud and honored to be that voice today. Um, but we have to, you know, I, I have to have impact doing what I'm doing, and, I, and I'm hoping that I do. And I know that I hear from some of you. And, and I hope to do more community events, both in New York City and Washington, D.C. I mentioned it last week on WPFW. But I, you know, also, I would recommend that if you, look, if you're involved in certain activities in New York City or Washington, D.C., where uh, there may be organizations that are looking for speakers, don't be afraid to drop my name. You know, I can cover a wide variety of topics. I think there's a Native perspective, and that's part of what I do here is not just talk about Native issues, but offer a Native perspective to issues that impact us all. I'm not crazy about your politics. I'll say it flat out. But uh, I oftentimes feel like I have to offer a Native perspective to what you are going through with your system of governing. And, you know, I, I, I'm not offering ways to fix it necessarily, but I do have to offer a perspective from, from, a, from people who have almost always been on the outside of your system. And now, even as we're, you know, we're, we're being lured to be a part of that system, we know that we are not a significant enough number to really benefit from participating in your system. So even if we're allowed to vote in your elections, we know that it's, it's kind of pointless for us. So it, it, it keeps us 
looking at it from the outside. And sometimes that outside perspective is what I try to do here. And I'm so grateful to WBAI and WPFW for giving me that opportunity. Now, look, I'm not saying that American citizens should not vote. Um, I think our identity is, is a little bit more obscure than that. And many of us as Native people do not necessarily claim to be U.S. citizens or Canadian citizens if, uh, for those who live on the other side of that imaginary line. So it's a bit of a, it, it's a little bit more complicated when we talk about Native people participating in the American electorate. So, but I am grateful to have the opportunity and I only have the opportunity because these stations exist and these stations are socially responsible enough to want to add a Native voice to their lineup. So again, if you're listening in New York, I ask that you call WBAI's pledge line, which is 212-209-2950. Let them know that you listen to Resistance Radio with John Kane. Or you can go online to give to WBAI.org. And there, too, you can find a place that you can list um, the program that you're, that you're donating on behalf of. And the same goes for, um, for WPFW. You can call 202-588-9739. That's if you're in Washington. You know, or if you're listening outside of the uh, either one of those areas, look, I'd appreciate if you'd call either one of those stations. Perhaps you can look at the, you know, the, uh, the geography and figure out which, uh, which broadcaster you are closer to. But regardless, if you're listening online or if you're listening on archives or, or you know, the podcast of this show, um, you know, I, you may not feel required to donate to the stations, but I will say the podcast wouldn't exist if the radio show didn't exist. So... Um, even you listening to the show as a podcast, I would appreciate if you would support either WBAI or WPFW. And again, WPFW is two, this is Washington, DC is 202-588-9739 or go online to WPFWDC.org slash donate. If you're, if you want to support WBAI legendary station in New York city, then call 212-209-209. 2950, or, or go online to give to WBAI.org. Um, I, I, like I said, we're, we're right in the middle of the pledge drive for WPFW, and we're about to start um, the, the pledge drive for WBAI. Um, there was a little confusing, confusion in the schedule for WBAI because they were going to do some tower maintenance, so there was some debate on whether this show would... Um, uh, be airing uh, this week or not. So here I am, and I'm kind of setting the stage for the uh, for the pledge drive for WBAI. Um, and again, you know, trying to uh, carry my weight in the middle of the pledge drive for for WPFW. So I, I was talking about um, about Cataraugus. Um, Cataraugus is um, the creek, uh, which is, is it, it's more than just a creek. It's it's I don't know where the, the line is between a river and a creek, but <laughs> but it's a good size uh, creek, if or creek, if not a river, that flows um, through the the Cattaraugus territory. It's it's relatively famous for trout fishing. It uh, it has incre- you know incredible trout fishing. Um, it is a uh, it is a river that uh, that as it before it gets to the territory uh, runs through a valley called Zor Valley that is. Uh, widely used for not only fishing as well, but also for whitewater um, kayaking and rafting, canoeing, and that kind of stuff. Um, the The river is beautiful. 
uh, and where it uh, opens into Lake Erie, uh, it, it's beautiful down at the, at the lakefront as well. You know, I, I, I figured I'd talk about my home because, you know, I think when, when people hear about a Native territory, they don't know what that means, you know, and, and what's the distinction and what's, what's the difference. Well, I would say a lot of the, the, the community here, um, it looks a little different than, than out there. You're not going to see as many of the big lavish houses that you're going to see off territory. And part of it is because we can't um, get a bank mortgage to build a home here. Um, many of the homes initially were either relatively low-income homes or modular homes or, um, or mobile homes. Uh, I live in a double-wide uh, mobile home on, on the territory. Um, housing programs have uh, built up over the years, and there are you know, bigger and, and uh, more luxurious homes than, uh, than in the early days. But there's still a housing shortage here, and there's still many Native people who, who um, can't find a place to live on um, Cattaraugus or Allegheny. You know, uh, there's a fairly significant population of the uh, par portion of the Seneca population that lives off territory, uh, Buffalo, um, sometimes even on the Canadian side, uh, uh, Fort Erie on the, uh, on the Canadian side, or Niagara Falls, or you know, any of the, the small communities that are just off territory. You know, like I said, the three communities that, um, that have the schools, Gowanda, Silver Creek, and, um, and Lakeshore, the, those areas oftentimes um, are where Native people uh, from the, who would normally live here live there. So there, there is a shortage of housing on territory, but um, uh, we don't have homeless people. We really don't. We don't have homeless people, you know, wandering the streets um, or, or even wandering the streets ar around our territories. So it's, uh, it, it, is, it is a place that I chose to live, and, uh, and, and I was happy with that decision. So this is, a, this is a different kind of show because I'm not just talking about our conflicts. I mean, it's hard to talk about living here without you know, delving into some of those conversations. But, but for the most part, um, you know, I've had a few friends, non-Native friends, that, uh, that have visited me here. And, uh, you know, and the, and the people that I'm associated with are such a close and, uh, and warm uh, group of people um, that we, uh, you know, we do welcome non-Native visitors to, to the territory. You know, now, we're, we're not looking to be inundated and Frankly, with climate change and, and all the concerns that we have for the future, we don't know at what point, you know, this territory starts looking very attractive to, uh, you know, to, you know, some of the populations outside of our areas. Now, as pleasant it is to live here, I can't suggest or, or really say, honestly, that, uh, that we don't experience racism. We, we do all the time. And, um, in fact, we had an incident just a couple of weeks ago where uh, one of the schools that service that services this community, uh, Lakeshore, had played um, one of the Buffalo suburbs, which is which was called Williamsville, and some racial slurs were were slung at uh, at some of the native players on the lacrosse team, and uh, you know, and it was it actually made the news, which is probably a good thing because you know in the past we just endured that stuff. And now 
it's it's less tolerated not just by us, but it's not it's less tolerated by the non-native communities as well. But it's not to say that it doesn't doesn't flare up. You know, my work on the mascot issue has oftentimes generated, you know, some pretty strong words, some uh, some offensive, uh, you know, um, views held towards native people. I had I had one person um, from a, a small town in central New York called Canadagua, who who literally said, why would anybody want native mascots anyway? Those reservations are lawless, rape, murder, and theft. I mean, that's that's literally what this guy said in, in a post on one of the social media platforms. And, and of course, that's not true. I would say that about living here is it's probably one of the safest places to live. It's it, it's almost never happens where uh, where there's a loss of life due to a crime here. Uh, you know, we've been plagued with some of the drug um, drug abuse problems that have affected the non-native communities as well. But I would I, even there, I, I don't know that that it's been, um, you know, as much of an epidemic as we've seen in some of the other communities. When my son was uh, was working as a Seneca Nation marshal, I used to have to remind him that even though he was answering sometimes, you know, domestic issues and, you know, some of the, the you know, the tougher issues that are happening on territory. Um, I had to remind him to watch the news and so he could compare what what exists out there versus what exists here. And and there really is no comparison. You know, we don't have drive-by shootings. We don't have, you know, the kind of violence. Um, and rarely do we see, you know, home invasions or, or anything even even close to that. So uh, I'm not saying that, uh, you know, that the life here is is, you know, so tranquil that we don't we don't have any issues. Um, we sometimes resent or reject the um, the outside law enforcement, uh, even though that's another point of contention. And you know, so you know, some of the things that apply out there don't apply here. And we, you know, the people who live here sometimes feel strongly um, in making that point. But um, like I said, it's uh, it is a very nice place to live. It is a beautiful place. Uh, you know, we get our fair share of snow, that's for sure. But we also have beautiful moderate temperatures. We have, you know, we have great spring weather now, and we have beautiful weather in the summer and the fall. Um, it is, uh, it would be one of those places that people would associate with, uh, with uh, what they call leaf peaking, I guess, when uh, when the leaves cha change in the fall. It is actually an incredibly beautiful place to live, and. And any any of the shots you did, you may see. In fact, I I think I used to have a a, a picture, a couple of pictures on my Facebook page of the the Cataraugus Creek, and uh, it's pretty remarkable. We have eagles that nest along the river, and that's true with the Allegheny River down uh, um, in on the Allegheny territory of the Seneca Nation as well. So we have we have bear in 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 the area. We have deer in the area. We have um, you know the full mix of wildlife um, and much of that wildlife is part of our stories. It's part of our history. It's, it's part of our Thanksgivings. You know, I know that there's a, um, a fight that's raging on in another Seneca territory that's not associated with the Seneca nation here, but with the, the Tonawanda Senecas um, over development of, of land that um, where they're looking to impact the, the short-eared owl and the, and the Northern Harrier and you know, I just sub submitted a letter um, in that, um, that, those, that public comment period, and there was an event last night 
or no, I'm sorry, last week about that. Um, but these, you know, so we do have environmental issues that we have to face sometimes, you know, just off territory. Um, but here, the Senecas get to decide what they do on their territory. And even if the state doesn't necessarily agree, it doesn't stop the Senecas from, from asserting their will on their territory. And that's what makes it distinct. And, and frankly, that's what makes it home for not just me, but for, for you know, for many, many uh, Senecas and, and other um, non-Seneca natives who live here. All right, uh, I want to do another plug for, uh, for the pledge drive for WPFW and the upcoming pledge drive for, for WBAI. Uh, if you're listening in Washington, D.C., I do ask that you support WPFW, Jazz and Justice Radio, by going to their pledge line, 202-588-9739. Without you, we are not on the air. Without you, I am not on the air. You know, I, I can do podcasts. But there's something special about being on the radio, something special about being able to turn on a radio and not have to search, not have to, you know, go online necessarily, although you can listen to this program online. You can ask your smart, smart speaker, by the way. You can go, you can say, Alexa, play WPFW or Alexa, play WBAI. I do it all the time at home because I'm outside of the listening range of WBAI and WPFW here on the Cattaraugus Territory of the Seneca Nation. But if you're listening in Washington, please do go to the pledge line 202-588-9739 or go online to wpfwdc.org slash donate. Online, you can follow the prompts. Uh, on the Calling the pledge line, uh, you will be assisted by an operator that will help you, guide you to whatever donation level or whatever donation type you'd like to make. Same thing goes for New York City on WBAI. The pledge line is 212 209 2950. The website is give to, that's G I V E, the number two, WBAI.org. And again, follow the prompts either online or by the operator to uh, determine what, what level of donation you're willing to make. Um, and, and look, if there's ever a question, you can, you can you know, go online and, and contact folks at the stations if there's, if there's other things that you'd like to do. Perhaps you'd like to make a, uh, a you know, um, a mention in a, in a will or a bequeathment or something along those lines. There's, uh, there's any number of ways that people can support these stations. But I'll tell you another way that you support these stations, and that's word of mouth. And for me personally, uh, the more people who talk about the shows that I do and spread the word that, yes, there is a native voice on WPFW, there is a native voice on WBAI that isn't just, you know, I'm not trying to um, uh, soft pedal native issues. Uh, I'm not talking about spirituality, and I'm not talking about, you know, artisanship necessarily. I don't mind having an artist or a musician as a part of the program, but I'm usually talking about hard issues, uncomfortable issues, uncomfortable, uncomfortable truths in history. And I'm also offering a perspective, a native perspective, on issues that impact us all, everything from environmental issues to, you know, political unrest to, you know, global conflicts, all of that stuff. So spread the word. Let them know that, that there is a Native voice, and it's John Kane's uh, show, Resistance Radio, on WBAI and WPFW. And I appreciate if you support these stations in, uh, with your goodwill, with whatever you can support these stations with, and I realize that not everybody is, is always in a position to support um, their community radio stations. But if you are, or if you know somebody 
Look, I, I've said this about, you know, uh, folks in Washington, but it's true in, in New York as well. There are lawyers that have represented native issues in New York City and Washington, D.C. that have made careers off of native issues. And I'd love to see some of these law firms, you know, or these lobbying firms or these consultants that exist in, in places like New York and Washington say, you know what, I'd like to support that, uh, that program on WP, PFW and WBAI. And I'd love to see a $1,000 donation come in. Look, there's a certain expectation that, that a show like mine will, will generate a certain level of income um, for the stations. I don't know that I make it. And, uh, and I'm hoping that when I do these asks, these solicitations, these specific requests of you, the listeners, to make a donation, that you will uh, consider doing so. Again, the number for, for Washington, D.C., for WPFW, is 202-588-9739. The website is wpfwdc.org slash donate. And the number for, uh, for WBAI in New York City is 212-209-2950. The website there is give2wbai.org. Again, I, I greatly appreciate uh, whatever you can do to support these, uh, these fine radio stations. And I, I appreciate if you do it, not just during my program, but whenever you make that contribution, if you do it online or if you do it you know, on the pledge line, um, mention that you're donating in the name of, uh, of Resistance Radio with John Kane. I get none of those proceeds. It all goes directly to the stations to keep these stations on the air. It's the stations that give me the opportunity to be on the air. So your support of this program and the stations will keep us on the air and will keep a native voice among the many that these fine stations offer to you with their broadcasts. I want to thank you for listening to Resistance Radio. I am John Kane, and I will be back next week. Yahweh. <laughs>